During the first week of December, I went back through Caruso. Everybody in the car was dismayed at the amount of devastation and the work still left to be done to clean up the mess and remove all the debris. For those of you who may be watching from afar and unfamiliar with our area, Crusoe is a small town about 12 miles from Waynesville. It's in a valley hemmed in by steep mountains and, well, a river runs through it. In mid-August, Tropical Storm Fred dumped 14 inches of rain on Crusoe within 12 hours. Eight of those inches came within three hours. All of that water poured onto those surrounding mountains into innumerable streams and creeks which quickly overflowed their banks, all of them a tributary to the Pigeon River. Now, if you're not from this area, you've probably never heard of the Pigeon River unless you're a trout fisherman. But normally it's a scenic, relatively shallow, cool water, clear river on a good day. But August 17th wasn't a good day. All that water came rushing through the river into Crusoe with the force of a fire hose. Houses were swept off of their foundations. Mobile homes were demolished. Some floated away. One floated away only to be demolished by a downstream bridge. The bridge itself among dozens of others that would later be destroyed. It was difficult to believe the scope of the devastation. And there is so much that's yet to be done to remove the debris, how and to where remains an open question. But at some point, maybe a couple of years from now, whenever the time is right, the people of Crusoe will have to discern and envision the kind of future they want for their community. What will they do differently? How will they recognize their past without letting this disaster envelop their future? It will be a difficult task. There will be disagreements and arguments. It will be a contentious event. But over time, the people will come to some decision as to what they want for their future. Whether they know it or appreciate it or not, God will be with them in those meetings and in those discussions because God is always at work encouraging his faithful people into the future that he wants for all of his people. Our passage this day from, from Isaiah is a message from God to another devastated community. 
to the people of Judah who have returned to their ruined city, Jerusalem, after 50 years of exile in Babylon. God's word is true. God's prophecies are true because the prophets speak the word of God. But the poetry of prophecies don't always immediately line up with the prose of history. And so the prophecies are true, will become true, but seldom at a time or in a manner that we expect. But God is always at work encouraging his people into the future that God wants for his people. It's not for me to say how God does anything, but it seems to me that there are at least two ways that God helps to move us into the future that he wants for us. The first is through miraculous deeds of power. Now, God is not a show-off. Lou Wallace, the author of Ben-Hur, said that when God strides the earth, sometimes his footsteps are centuries apart. But when God does a miraculous deed of power, the world notices. When the Hebrew people were about to enter their promised land of Canaan, Joshua, their leader, sent two spies into Jericho to check things out. The spies went to an inn run by a woman named Rahab. Word of the spies got out, and the authorities quickly came and, and ordered her to produce the two men. Well, she did the classic Western movie thing and said, they went that away, and if you hurry, you can catch them. And when the posse scurried off, she went up to the roof where she'd hidden the men. And there she told them why she had done what she had done. We have heard how the Lord, your Lord, dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. The Lord, your God, is indeed God in heaven and on the earth. Rahab and the Mediterranean world recognized God's deed of power. Rahab asked for and the spies granted her and her extended family a truce, a safe passage to prevent them from being killed during the upcoming siege of Jericho. It was an earthly salvation of sorts. Our passage from Isaiah is also about a miraculous deed of power. We don't think of it that way, perhaps. We say, well, they were gone for 50 years and they came back. But at no point in human history to that time had any nation ever gone into exile and been allowed to come back. That just didn't happen. And it's seldom happened since, for that matter. But Isaiah was very clear about God's role in that return. God says 
about King Cyrus, the Persian king, the recent conqueror of Babylon, I have aroused Cyrus in righteousness, and I will make all his paths straight. He shall build my city and set my exiles free. The God of Israel had done another deed of power, and again the world noticed. Deeds of power are one thing, and they, are, they get people's attention. Whether they get so much attention today or not is up for debate. But some people still notice the deeds of power that God does. But there's a more common and, in its own way, equally miraculous way that God moves us toward the future where God wants us to go. And that is through the light, the radiance, that shines through the people of God. There was a famine in the land of Judah. A family, Naomi and her husband and their two sons, decided to go to Moab to leave the land of Judah, their homeland, and go to Moab the land of their ancient enemies, a land that worshiped other gods. Well, you know the story. The two sons each married a Moabite wife, but after some time, their father died, and then each of the sons died, and the three women were left alone. Naomi decided to return to her homeland. And out of devotion and affection, her two daughters-in-law followed her. She proceeded for a ways, and then she stopped and told them to go back. There were hugs and tears. She turned around and started again, and they both followed for another little ways, and she stopped again and told the girls to go back. Ruth's answer, we know. It was made immortal in King James English. For whither thou goest, there I will go. Where thou livest, I will live. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. But Orpah, the other daughter-in-law, we don't think too much about. She returned to her own land, to her own gods. We've created all kinds of stories about her, but none of us know her backstory. And we, like the Bible, should be silent and non-judgmental. Because in the story of Ruth, before she left Naomi, there were more hugs and more tears. Orpah loved Naomi, just as Ruth did. My point is this, that people recognize the light of God that shines through the people of God, even if they don't choose to follow that God themselves. Your neighbors notice when you head off for church on Sunday morning, 
Some of them may scoff, some may snicker or kid you good-naturedly, but they notice, and it makes a difference. And if some disaster or tragedy strikes their home, see who they come to for comfort and assurance and maybe a prayer. Isaiah is clear that this light that shines through and from the people of God is not from the people of God themselves. I like the way that the Revised English Bible translates verse 2. Though darkness covers the earth and dark night the nations, on you the Lord shines and over you his glory will appear. God uses his faithful people to help others into the future that God wants for the world. What does that mean for us today? Well, I'll get to today in a moment, but first we need to go back to the future. In the movie, Back to the Future, Marty McFly gets transported back in time 30 years from 1985 to 1955. And by a series of circumstances, which are too complicated to explain and which you probably already know anyway, Marty McFly finds himself at the dinner table with the lovely Lorraine, the teenage girl who, if the future holds up as it's supposed to, will become his mother. Across the table from Marty are her little brothers, his future uncles, and her father has spent the afternoon tinkering with the television set that he brought home that very day. He gets it working just at dinner time and he rolls the, the television in front of the table so that the family can eat and watch the Jackie Gleason show. The show gets started and it's gone for just a few minutes when Marty exclaims, Oh, I've seen this one before. That's a classic. And the little boy sitting across the table says, How could you have seen it before? It's brand new. Marty tries to talk his way out of it, but he knows he's not going to get anywhere. He says, I saw it before. It's a rerun. And the little boy asked the question that everybody had on their mind. What's a rerun? Well, we know about reruns. And it seems, at least to this man of a certain age, that we have been living in a rerun. Vietnam, Afghanistan, Emmett Till, George Floyd, four little girls in a Birmingham church, nine welcoming adults in a Charleston church, Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland, Oxford. I don't think anyone would dispute this portion 
of Isaiah's prophecy. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. As the world gets darker and darker, the difference between light and darkness becomes more pronounced. And it is for us, the faithful people of God, to show, to guide, to light a path toward another way, toward the way that God wants us to live, toward a different future. How do we do that? Well, I think verse 4 tells us. I'm not sure this is what Isaiah meant when he said this, but it fits and it works. Verse 4, lift up your eyes and look around. Darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the peoples. So go to the people who are in darkness, or at least let them come to you. Not to condemn or convict or to make them like us. Lord knows we're not perfect people. But to hear their pain and their story and to show God's love, God's mercy, and God's forgiveness. Who knows? Maybe we will see our sons and daughters returning from far away if they see us in a church that's actually doing the serious and difficult and sometimes dangerous work of God. Just as the people of Crusoe have to discern the future they want for their community, so do the people of Waynesville and Haywood County and North Carolina and the people in that 150-mile swath that tornadoes just went through. All the people of planet Earth have to determine the future that they want. God is always at work encouraging his faithful people to live into the future that God wants for them. As a part of God's people, God's people all over the world, we have a say, we have an influence on that future. Whether we will go back to the future, a future we already know, or whether we will go into the future. With the light that God shines through us, we can begin to change the channel so that the next generation will not have to live through another rerun. Amen.